You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 196. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Hey, I guess Google Podcast is still a thing too, so maybe there. Uh, visit us at codingblocks.net. Oh, yeah. No, Alan, aren't you supposed to say that? What am I doing? I don't know. It looks like I'm on the next one. Change it up. Yeah. Oh, you changed it up. Okay, fine. Fine. I'll continue <laughs> on then. Visit us at uh, codingblocks.net. That's all lowercase. Uh, one word where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and more. And we're going to be extremely verbose in this episode. You can send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And you you can follow us on the Twitters at codingblocks. And uh, all of our web pages have at the top of them social links, uh, and that can be found at codingblocks.net. Or. Oh, also, I'm Joe Zach. Did you say or? Yeah, yeah, I read it backwards. I thought thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Well, I I thought you were trying to say like the website would be like codingblocks.org. And that's why I was like, uh, no. No, can you buy those now? You have to apply for them. No, you can still buy those. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be special. Who are you, you, outlaw? Well, I mean, if you give it away. Right. You can see through my my costume isn't good enough that you can't tell. (laughs) First of all, hold on. Can we address something? Because I heard a rumor, like, can we, my Alan Underwood impersonation is spot on. Yeah, I disagree. It's so. really good. Yeah, so, I was listening. I didn't think so. I'm just saying. I didn't hear that buttery smooth Southern Californian voice coming through. All right, watch this. Watch this. You ready? <laughs> I'm Alan Underwood. That's not terrible. See? That's not, ter- that's not terrible. Boom, I got it. That's not terrible from the man himself. <laughs> Yeah, that's not terrible. Now, I don't know what I sound like because, you know, in my ears, it's not as good. So, yeah, I'm Alan Underwood. That was spot on. I can't even tell a difference. Did you, Jay-Z? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess I'm that voice. technically, technically, I'm Michael Outlaw. All right. So, uh, our topic introduction for tonight is we're kind of freestyling, right? Like, we're going to just talk about some things that... Like Eminem. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> we're good like that. Um <laughs> So, yeah, we're just going to talk about some things that, that, I don't know, just have another water cooler talk. It's been a while, so that's what we're going to do. But but, but first, we must get into our news section. And uh, Outlaw, you going to read all our reviews? Nope. Nope. Okay. Jay-Z, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, wow. to be fair, I'm not reading them because there's none to read. Yeah, it kind of hurts so, our souls a little bit. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is anybody out there? Out yeah. There, out there. Oh, I thought you were well, going to uh, say like a Pink Floyd song. Oh, no. Oh, by the <laughs> way, mean, this is what happens when we like finish a, a book, you know, because yeah. now we're like, I don't know what to do. I guess we'll just. Yeah, it's weird now. Water cooler. Like you want to meet never up at the again. water cooler and yeah, never gossip. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you, it's almost time to start talking about January. Not yet. But we will have a couple uh, links in the show notes so you can watch videos of uh, past games and see what those look like. And they're super awesome, so you should. Man, it really is around the corner, isn't it? It's yeah, crazy. All right. What's good? Okay. Have, you, have you already been thinking about a theme or anything like anything related to it? No, probably do the you know the voting thing and suggestions. I, I always think that's a, a lot of fun. Um, so no, I haven't really thought about it. And I haven't done another game jam. I still keep planning on it, but I haven't haven't done it. So how about this then? For the listeners who want to be part of the game jam, start thinking about what you might 
want to do as a theme so that you can give that uh, submission you know, when it does come to contest time to decide like what the theme will be and we ask everybody to submit their theme ideas. I like yep. that. Yeah. We actually have one suggestion already. Oh. Yep. I've already tried it. It's from Micro G. I don't like to tell you what it is though. I don't want to okay. taint the pool. But yeah, right. if you got them, I'll, I'll start <sighs> recording them now. Way to tease right. it out. Yep. Right. I got to wait till January. Yeah. Or you got to, you know, you got to kiss up to Micro G. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm able to tell you. All right. So the first one I had. Because I'm curious where, where we're all feeling about this. Now that we're sort of post-pandemic, right? Like, mostly. Everything's open. Um, not a ton of restrictions. We're technically in an endemic, right? Am I wrong? Uh, did we go back to endemic? I mean, well, that's like the lower state. Were you in there? No, and I think it means it's the, it's the scale of it, right? Like, pandemic is across the globe. Endemic is usually, you know, bounded to a particular country or land, I thought. I thought they had announced over the summer that like, hey, we're out of the pandemic stage. And in the, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't so, know. I'm also uh, the guy that thought that Google shut down their podcast thing. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> so uh, endemic is a disease outbreak that is consistently present, but generally limited to a particular region. Oh, so basically, right. it's here. It's gonna stay. Yep. And pandemic is like global, sort of th- sort of thing. Um. So with that though. Are there any plans for, I don't know, Jay-Z, Outlaw, me, going out, doing more meetups, doing presentations again, doing any of that kind of stuff? Have you have you put any thought to it? Have you, like, any plans going going forward here? I got kind of lazy. It was, it's easy to not do anything, right? I, so uh, I missed Atlanta Code Camp. I really wanted to make it, just, had, just couldn't make it this year. Uh, Orlando Code Camp is back on for 2023, so uh, I'm definitely going to go. And I'll probably put in a presentation. Uh, I do enjoy it. it. It is stressful though. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. Um, I uh, haven't. Uh, I, I guess I did. I did do. I spoke at one meetup recently at the Elastic Meetup in Orlando. So I guess officially I am getting back out there and doing stuff again. But it's it's very easy to just watch stuff on YouTube. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What about you, Outlaw? I, I know you like doing the, uh, the booth <laughs> stuff. What are your thoughts? I think I, I I guess that I'm already past that. Is that like I thought that you know vaccinated, boosted, whatever, like, you know, whatever, go out, have fun. So I've already I guess been doing that. <laughs> no, no, but I mean like are you planning on doing any conferences or, or meetups or presentations or anything like that? Like have you been thinking about it? I know we were looking at doing the Atlanta well, Code Camp, and we kind of ran up late on that thing, and and scheduling and all that kind of stuff kind of kind of messed us up. But yeah, I guess the point that I was trying to make, although poorly, <clears throat> is that, um, I mean, like like you both said, we we had planned, we had all plans to do Atlanta Code Camp, and it, it was only just at the a bad time management on our end that we didn't do it, um, and. What I was trying to say though is that, like, uh, I haven't been thinking about it from the regards of like, oh, this, you know, now that this thing's, you know, trailing off, like, what am I going to go to do? Because I've already been in that mindset for a while. 
Oh, you know? no, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't so, talking about whether you're worried about being sick. It was more about things are actually starting to happen again, right? Like, like is it going to come back? Is it going to be the same? Like, Right. Like, conferences are actually now starting to meet in person again. Because even, even there for a while, like, I mean, up until just recently, most everything was still digital, and they weren't trying to do a lot of things, at least in the techie world. Okay, you know, so specific to tech then. Yeah, because specific, because yeah, yeah, not going to concerts. Yeah, because that okay, that's where I was about to go. Because I'm like yeah. thinking about like concerts, and I'm like, well, I don't know, man. Like I've already been to so many. Like, was I not supposed to go? <laughs> right. No. No. I'm talking. Don't look about, at the like, tour date on that shirt, because I promise. <laughs> yeah. No. It's the tech scene starts to. It seems like it's starting to come back together. Like meetups are actually starting to happen in person again, and and conferences are starting to do it. Because I mean, I don't know if you guys remember. Right before uh, the COVID breakout happened and everything got locked down in March of 2020, right? I just got back from NDC London. Right. I actually came back like two weeks before they locked down the country. And you almost had been stuck there. I, I, dude, I'll never forget when I was, when I was getting on the jet to come back, there were questions about have you been to China in the past 14 days? Have you interacted with anybody from China the past 14 days? And I'm like, what, what are they asking me this stuff for? Like, you know, I'm getting on my jet. Like, yo, I'm just trying to go home. And and turns out, you know, that's that's what the whole thing was. And so, you know, I, at the time, I was super gung-ho about it. And it's like what Jay-Z said. You know, there's there's two sides to it. It's really exciting to get in front and and talk about technologies that you're learning about and having fun with and all that kind of stuff. But – I mean, it's probably not far-fetched to say that you usually spend anywhere between 20 and 40 hours preparing for a one-hour talk. And okay. so it's like, so it's like, man, like I, I, I haven't been in that mode in now two years. And I'm just wondering, do I want to devote that kind of time to get back in and put those things together? You know? Yeah. I guess, I guess the answer to, since I haven't been really good at answering your question, <laughs> I, I the, the answer really is that like, I don't know. Like I haven't as a, as a spectator, uh, you know, like, or a participant, not, not as like one of the speakers or as a sponsor. Right. Cause that's different. Like, I mean, I look forward from like this sponsor kind of perspective of like Orlando code camp or, Atlanta code camp, you know, I mean, but that's a different kind of experience, uh, for, you know, being working the booth like I do. Right. Cause yeah, let's face it. I'm pretty good at it. That's right. Um, but, but from the, uh, participant side or, you know, audience side of it, like, I guess I just haven't seen a topic that was like, has made, that has made me want to go yet. But if I did, you know, I'm not, I would, I would just, jump in the car and go, I guess. So yeah. I haven't, I haven't like found anything to, to that's like gotten me to that level of excitement that I'm like, okay, I'm going. So you probably haven't even been out looking for them, right? Like, I guess probably like, that's when, yeah. Yeah. Cause like when connect tech used to come, we'd look at that when elastic would do their conferences. Like the, I don't know. There was like this sort of buzz before, before the country shut down before the world shut down. To where it was like we were constantly going out and getting involved in these, and I don't, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like it's not as. Connect Tech oh. just got pricey, though. I mean, it really did. It really did. I like, 
the cost from when I originally started going to like, I'm trying to find out like what the last two. Oh my. Yeah. What is it? I just got the last one for the individual conference only, not the workshop was $695. Oh yeah. It used to be half that. Right. Yeah. So, so I, it's not to say that they don't offer a lot. Cause I mean, they, they do, but, um, yeah, so I just kind of like lost the excitement for that particular one since she, since she brought that one up. I mean, yeah. not to pick on it, but yeah, I don't know. It's just felt weird. It's like, I don't know the the buzz around a lot of these things seems to have died off a little bit, especially since most of it went digital at one point or virtual, I should say. And so I don't know, maybe I just need to get my feet wet in it again and, and the excitement and joy will come back. But I don't know. You know, um, I actually had a, a quick, like one of the things that talked about today, one of the topics was uh, related. I'm going to go ahead and mark it off the list. But I wanted to mention that um, it was basically what does your dream conference look like? Um, some of the things I missed the most or like my favorite memories from conferences like weren't actually like the, the sessions, although I've seen some good ones. But like uh, I went to uh, AWS reInvent one year and they had like this big arcade and you got to like play, you know, old arcade games and talk with other techies. And there was um, I landed B-Sides, I think. I forget if you all went. Um, they had like lock picking tables and then, you know, you like teach you how to pick locks and, um, you know, board game conferences, you play board games, of course, but also just the vendors are kind of cool to walk around and see those. So it's kind of cool. So I, you know, I don't know, there's some, there's some stuff that I, I miss there and even just like the, you know, conferences, like eating lunch and stuff and kind of getting to meet other people or you eat like the speaker dinners and stuff. You get to meet the people who are doing these talks and, you know, ask them like what their lives are like. And this is, you know, often very different, which is cool. Uh, so that's, that's what I miss. Well, I think that goes along with what I was saying too, from like the working, the conferences from the booth perspective, it, it, cause a lot of what you said could be summarized as the social aspect of attending the conference. Yeah. Right. Not, you know, not that the talks aren't great themselves, but, uh, just that social interaction with everybody there and all the random conversations you might have. Yeah, it's funny because you see, it's it, it's good that you didn't actually completely scratch it off the list because I think it's interesting. So I too, like when I went to NDC London, I loved meeting the people, right? Like Jamie and 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 all the other people I hung out with there, um, Zach and 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 tons of other, but the sessions were really good. But it was like all the in betweens that was the most fun, and even so, one thing that's interesting being a Microsoft MVP is I think the thing that most MVPs would tell you that they loved the most about being an MVP was going to MVP summit out in, in Washington. And since the pandemic it's all gone completely virtual. And here's one thing that kind of stinks, right? Like when you, when you would fly out there, you took the week off, right? You, you took the week off, you went out there, you had fun, you, you learned some stuff, you met people, all that. And the whole experience of being there was awesome. Well, when they went virtual, they still blocked off the same three or four days, but it's really hard to get excited about taking three or four days off and staring at a computer screen for eight or nine hours a day and not having those interactions. So you end up trying to attend some of the sessions, but you're probably paying more attention to the work you got to do. And so it's, it's just not the same, right? You're not getting into it the same way. And that's why you need to attend using the metaverse. 
<laughs> That's yeah. next. There you go. Uh, we're probably not far off. Jump right? into the oasis. Oh man! And you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I get your point though. Like, may, may, basically, when you pick up and go, then you don't have the distractions of home or work with you right there in, in right. that room. Right. But if you're going to watch the conference, uh, you know, streaming, you know, whatever the technology might be, uh, then if you didn't bother to go somewhere <laughs> to get away from your office and home, then you have all those distractions. So it's like easy to, to lose focus. Yeah, completely. And it stinks because there's good stuff there, but it's just not the same as being in person, right? It's, it's not the same as having those interactions. Yeah. All right, cool. So the, the next one that I had that I was just thinking about, because we do a lot of this now, which do you well, guys prefer? Did we ever answer the dream conference one? Uh, well, that's kind of what we were talking about, I guess. What, what was What's your you- dream conference look like? Mine was in DC. I really enjoy or or the MVP summit, either one. Like just getting together, doing learning a lot of cool stuff, but then having a lot of fun, just like what Jay Z was saying. Like whether you go to an arcade or or like Microsoft. I think the last one that they did at Microsoft that was really cool is I think they had rented out the floor of the Hyatt or something. And they brought in a dance floor. And it's weird. I've never seen this before, by the way. I'm sure that you guys have heard about it. But they have these, it's almost like um, silent dance floors. Everybody's wearing headphones and they've got multiple DJs uh-huh. and you can tune in to whichever DJ you want to hear. And so you got a bunch of nerds out there dancing around, right? It's really kind of whoa, funny. Whoa, 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 no, whoa. It's totally, no, no, it's totally. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> indisputably, indisputably. Indisputably. Um, but that's a lot of fun, right? And, and then they had all kinds of food, like foods from around the world, and it's just, you know, it's a really cool experience and you get to meet people from all over the world and you have a blast. That's, I love that, right? I love seeing different types of people come together, all excited about the same type of stuff. And then they get to have fun and unwind at the same time. And that's just, that's a blast. Okay. So both of you, your dream conference is less about the technical part bits of the conference and more about like all the other <clears throat> things that are you're going to do to fill time in between talks equal amounts, equal amounts Okay, for me. Mine, my, my dream conference would be about Git, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're actually there. I don't know if there still is. There used to be a Git uh, conference, but when I had looked at it, it was all overseas. This was, you know, several years back. I'll, I can check to see if there's, if it's still going on, but it was all overseas. So just, you know, the cost of even getting there was just outrageous. So I was like, well, it's kind of cost prohibitive, prohibitive to go. So, and you know, speak there. Uh, Good. yes. Yeah. So if you well, speak there, Hey, Hey, here's, here's it's a little possible that someone could, could speak there. Yeah, sure. So if you decided that you wanted to be one of those people that could potentially speak there, they will typically pay for your plane tickets and your hotel and all that kind of stuff. So it's not cost prohibitive if you're going to participate. A lot of times. Sure. Yeah, I'm not going to, but yeah. Oh, Jay-Z it's, and I will sign you up. Don't worry. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Git Merge is the name of it, by the way. I'll put, a, I'll you put a link. it. Nice. Yeah. You know what's funny about that, though, is I can, I can tell you from having, God, we've known each other. All of us have known each other now for 10 or 11 years. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, 
Outlaw doesn't like to do anything that he's not done previously. So you just got to push him into it. And then afterwards, he's like a little kid smiling the whole time. So so if we were to sign him up for it, you'd probably end up loving it um, after he tried to find us and, and hurt us for doing so. But Oh, I yeah. heard you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one, the, the next one is, is, isn't quite as uh, cost prohibitive because it's only in uh, Chicago. So it's a little bit easier for those of us on this side of the pond to get to. But yeah. But as much as I love Git, I'm like, are we really just going to talk about Git the whole time? Right. Although we just did a whole series of episodes on it. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess, I guess it's I'm possible. In. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, th- their description of it is one conference, all things Git. Uh, hundreds of developers join for technical talks, hands-on workshops, and breakout discussions about Git and the people who build the world's technologies with it. So the one thing that makes me like super curious about going to something like that is like, what are what are like all the breakout discussions like the workshop the hands on workshops like is, are there some things that we the three of us have never even considered that you know some people come up with some like amazing workflows and like you know think about like every like we even had a whole episode just on workflows episode ninety and <laughs> <Good Lord. laughs> but uh you know like. I don't know. Maybe there's something else better. Maybe there's like some new workflows out there. They're even better. Like, so I, that's the one reason that would make me like super curious to, to go, but yeah. Well, you know, like what I'd expect at a, a Git conference is uh, people talking about Git, of course, but uh, I, I would expect there to be kind of Git competitors there. And I would expect there to be like the people who write uh, tools. So like, you know, um, plugins, stuff like that, um, UIs, but also, um, uh, what's like GitOps? This is what I'm thinking. Is basically there's a lot of tools and a lot of companies that have like built like really big services that use Git as like a core part of their uh, actual like kind of pipeline and uh, like a core part of their business. And so I would imagine there's you know people talking about new features and how they're integrating and how they're making use and like complementary tools and stuff. I, I bet it would be cool. I really like to go to a Kubernetes conference. I feel like there's still a lot I don't know, and the ecosystem is so large. I feel like I could like. I could spend all day to going to conferences for things I'd never even, or sorry, going to talks about this like little kind of corners of the world that are larger than most other worlds, you know? Yeah. Docker and Kubernetes are like two of my favorite, you know, non Git technologies <laughs> here yeah. in recent years. Oh man. Child number two and three. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, so, my next one was born out of of thoughts and frustrations and whatever else. Like, what do you guys prefer? So we we do a lot of cloud development now, right? Um, working in the cloud and have been for several years now. Do you prefer using managed services with potential or potential vendor lock in, or do you prefer um, managing your own service? that might be more cloud agnostic. So a good example, right? Like if you're in, if you're in Google, you could use um, GCP's cloud spanner, right? For your database stuff, or you could run your own Kubernetes versions of Postgres or SQL server, whatever you want, right? Like what, what, what are you guys' thoughts and and why? I have an easy answer. Yeah. Manage databases. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Everything else, you know, Kubernetes. Okay, so tell me, tell me, give me, give me why. 
Oh, because I don't want to deal with that. It's hard. It's painful. Uh, I just feel like the managed servers have a lot to offer there. Uh, and uh, some of the other services that these uh, clean the cloud vendors offer, um, like a lot of times they uh, aren't at feature parity with like the open source alternatives. I feel like they're just better. And it's probably the same is true of databases, but just the database is so important and so hard to get right just on its own uh, that I just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I have a different answer. All right. That's um, interesting. So, so my, my preference would be to lean towards Kubernetes, all the things and stay away from managed services, but that assumes a certain amount of scale. So if, if your use is going to scale to a place to where it becomes tedious, trying to like manage uh, like a there's there's a point to where like trying to manage this in a single Kubernetes namespace would get, grow to be ridiculous, right? And so you would really benefit from having a managed service at some point, right? But that's a pretty big scale that you've gotten to, right? Like you're already doing like Google, Amazon type of things, anyways. At that point, um. So if you're not at the if you're not at those scales though then I would my preference is stay away from the managed services so that you you don't have that vendor lock in but more importantly you have the ability to like easily spin up wherever you need and so, yes you hit you take some pain it's not easy to Jay-Z's point in the beginning but you learn those things and then you move on. And now that obstacle is behind you and you're a better person for it. You're stronger for having that knowledge in theory, I guess is I don't laugh about there. It. Okay. Weaker. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually surprised that, that um, I had two different opinions on that. Um, I guess is, is polarizing opinions on it because man, I, I'm super torn. I think for me, it's somewhere in between what you guys said. Mine's dependent on the technology we're talking about. So for instance, right. Um, if you're managing a Kafka cluster, like that's a decent amount of work, right? And there's, there's a lot of nuance to it. So if you're doing a lot of things with Kafka and you're having to spend the time to manage it, keep it up, you know, do, do all the things that require, that are required of any kind of scaling system like that. That's, that's a decent amount of knowledge and that's a decent amount of work for somebody even managing that thing in Kubernetes, right? Whether you're using operators or whatever, like it makes things easier, but it's still a lot of work. Whereas almost every cloud technology has this notion of a pub sub type subscription to where you can publish messages and have other things subscribe to it, which is essentially what Kafka gives you. And you don't have to worry about any, any of the infrastructure, Right. You don't care if there's brokers. You don't care um, that there's a zookeeper behind the scenes. You don't care about any of it, right? Like you just, you publish messages and you subscribe to them and that's all you care about. And there is a lot of freedom and peace of mind that comes with, it just works, right? Like I don't care how many servers they have going behind the scenes. I don't, have, I don't care how many brokers, I don't care how many partitions, like they do it and I use it. So it, it's weird. I, I don't love vendor lock-in, but on a certain level, there are certain services that I think are like no-brainers that you should use. Like another example would be, um, 
the managed services that I think that everybody should use in every single cloud provider is their own storage blob storage, right? Um, there's no reason for you to try and run a MinIO cluster in, in a Kubernetes, in my opinion, because now you're having to manage the disks that are backing all that kind of stuff. And now you have to manage scaling those things and all that, right? Like it's like having your own um, Hadoop cluster or something like that's a, that's a lot of work. Whereas cloud storage blob storage is so cheap and mostly so easy to use that it just does not make sense to try and work your way around it just so you can be portable and go from Azure to, to GCP to AWS or whatever. Right. Like, so it's hard. What I've grown to appreciate over time is, is managing server technologies really is an absolute pain in the butt. Right. Um, if you have a database cluster that you need to keep alive, you've got masters, you've got failovers, you've got you've got all these replicas, you've got all this other stuff, right? And every time you even go to do a version upgrade, you're like, oh man, we need to check these 20 boxes to make sure that if anything does go wrong, we can recover from it, right? It's a management nightmare. Whereas if you're just like, hey, I'm going to use Google's Cloud Spanner and uh, yeah, I never have to think about it. That's kind of nice. So I'm torn on it, but it, it, it is born out of having to do a mixture of both. So my flip side to my own argument here against managed services is it's really hard to do unit testing or anything in a manner that allows you to check this stuff because the tooling just isn't great for it. Right? Like, so I'll give an example. Um, some of the stuff we do is flink and, Flink, you can manage state. You can basically save state off in blob storage, right? Well, if you want to do that in a, in a local way, the easiest way to do is to like spin up a MinIO um, pod and then write state to it like it's a blob storage in the cloud. The problem with that is, though, that's different code than what you have running with your managed service. And so while you're able to test stuff and while you're able to do things sort of the same way, it's not the same way. And so you still haven't set yourself up for avoiding failures in those environments. And it, and it is mind numbingly frustrating to, to balance a managed service world with being able to do testable things that aren't brittle integration tests. I don't know if you heard though, Alan, um, so there's this guy, Uncle Bob, and he was able to abstract his database away to the point to where he delayed that decision until the time that he decided what he wanted. Then he's like, you know what? We're good with the file that we got. Oh, boy, do I recall that. <laughs> so maybe you haven't abstracted away your storage enough if you care about MinIO versus Google Storage or AWS or... Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's like once you get to a whole bunch of teams trying to share stuff, it's it's hard. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's good lessons and good things that we talked about back then. But it's uh, uh it's tough. Uh, you know, you know, the funny part about that is that abstraction thing. Even when you do do it, do do whatever. Um, I came the, out wrong, the, right? It did. Even and when you, even when you do that properly, you get questions. Like I, I was in a conversation with somebody the other day, and they're like. Well, it looks like the way that this is set up, it's a decent amount of configuration. I'm like, yeah, there's a factory that, you know, will basically return you the GCP provider for this thing. And then I'm like, well, there's only one implementation in that factory. 
factory because all we have is GCP. And it's like, well, why did you create a factory? Well, it's extensible now, right? Like, I mean, if we wanted to plug in MinIO, we could. If we wanted to plug in local, we could. But we just haven't done that because we didn't have time because we had to make this work. But we made it pluggable. So, yeah, man. It's always fun having those conversations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you definitely bring up a good, a good point with the storage. Um, that one, I don't know that I would have bothered to even try Kubernetes. I would have probably just been lazy and be like, yep, that one is going to be there. Um, but the Kubernetes, but Kafka though, I mean, like, I think, I mean, like, look, the three of us learned a lot about Kafka. I think we're stronger for it. We're better for it. I don't care what Jay Z's tells you. Uh, <laughs> He's weaker. Until the breeze could bowl me over right now. <laughs> and and we are running it in in Kubernetes, and we're fine with it. Like I don't know. I was kind of saddened that that was like the one that you went to first. As like, you know, like why is this is a problem? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll totally go Confluent Cloud. If I, if like, I mean, you know, it's all about scale too. If like, if I had a thousand developers, you know, that would be a different thing. But if I was starting a, a project that I would be working on with like less than five people, you know, um, then yeah, I would totally go to Confluent Cloud. To do the managed service. That yeah. one's even outside of, out of any particular cloud provider, right? You're actually talking about going to, you're talking about going the managed service route with, with providers of services, right? So Whatever um, is best in breed. So yeah, but like uh, they'll, they'll okay. let you run it. Like they have different options. So you could run it in your cloud of choice, whatever. I, I, I wouldn't want to be paying egress for that, but uh, they'll spin it up in your, your cloud of choice. I don't know what all they offer, but you know, I'm also not actually in this situation. Yeah. It's interesting. So like what he just said for anybody that's not familiar with the cloud world. So if you are in AWS, right? Like they have, uh, we actually did a show on some of this or we talked about, all the ridiculous icons they have for their 9 billion services that they provide up there. Oh yeah. But, you can never figure them out. No. I mean, and they now have so many that it's actually hard to, to find exactly what you're looking for in some cases, but um, they probably have, or I, I'm sure that AWS and Azure and all of them, they have like a search thing, right? So if you have, if you have the need for full text index search or whatever, they have a service that you can use. Or you could go to Elasticsearch's um, site, which is Elastic.io, is it? I think it's Co. Is it Elastic.co? Oh, yeah, Elastic.co. Yeah, yeah. So you could go to them directly and say, hey, I want to pay you for you running Elasticsearch, and I want you to do it in AWS, or I want you to run it in Azure or whatever. And so you can actually go to an outside third party and pay for those cloud services that way too, right? So it's it's interesting. A lot of the times when I think about it, I think about what's within the ecosystem, right? Like if you're in Azure, what are their features? If you're in AWS, et cetera. So um yeah, it's it's actually hard, man. Like trying to figure out the right balance of this stuff, it will drive you insane. Well, this is why I phrase my my answer is like it's it's all about the scale of what you're doing though. You know, like if you get to the point of the scale where uh you know, maybe there's some kind of like global resiliency or you know uh whatever that it might be better you might be better off having the experts at confluent run your kafka cluster for you or elastic run your elastic cluster for you okay but 
otherwise, like if you can get away with it in Kubernetes, there's something nice about that portability, you know, there is, but so let me pose it to you a different way. What if it's not even about scale? What if just all of a sudden, like take, take your application out of it. What if one of the nodes or one of the PVCs goes bad in your Kubernetes cluster and now your database is down? Like you got to deal with that now. Well, right? and, have and a good nothing, backup DR strategy anyways, right? Oh, maybe, but then you got to deal with that too. And I guess that's what I'm getting at is, you know, everything's coming along just fine. You've, you've got your 20 users that are using your thing. And then something happens that's completely outside your control. A node goes bad. A PVC goes bad, whatever. It's corrupt. And now you're on the hook for, okay, I got to kill this thing off. I've got to go find my, my backup that I've got stored off in cloud storage. I got to restore it. Whereas if you just use a managed service, you don't care. It's always running in theory. Well, no, 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 about no. It. Even, even in a manner. Okay. I take issue with this argument because <laughs> shenanigans have been called, sir, <laughs> because here's the problem. You, you could poorly design your solution regardless of what the technology is. So you could poorly design a solution that uses cloud services and still lose when that region is lost. You're like, Oh man, I just lost everything because you didn't have a backup, a good backup DR strategy to deal with that situation or whatever. So, I mean, it it can, it can handle, it it can happen regardless. Now, the one thing though, that, you know, that Kubernetes example might uh, not be so great at is if you wanted to have like a, you know, it, it might not be as good at a global, global span kind of, you know, approach. But uh, even then though, because of the database, you're going to use something to like replicate that data across regions. So you, you'd probably still want to spin up multiple instances of your, your app and then just have it like a eventually consistent data getting from like one region to the next and et cetera. So, so I guess what I'm getting at here is you're totally right, right? Like if you didn't check the right boxes or whatever, when you set up your, your data storage, then you could run into this. But I guess what I'm getting at here is what you just said is if you were going to do this in Kubernetes, you have to have pretty intimate knowledge of the database system that you're setting up, right? Like, how are you going to replicate these things? How are you going to set up disaster recovery? What's the right way of doing this? Like, there's a lot of knowledge in that particular system that you have to do. Whereas if you're using a managed service, typically it's just a few checkboxes, right? Like I want this thing in multi-region. I want, you know, whatever other features are there and that's kind of it. So it takes the onus of having to understand exactly how everything runs off of you and puts it on to the infrastructure you're running it on, which is managed by AWS or Google or Azure or whatever. Yeah, right. But, but now, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but now instead of having like the intimate knowledge of how do, how do I do Postgres backups and Postgres restores so that, you know, and how do I cluster Postgres instead that intimate knowledge is, okay, how does Google cloud SQL work? How do I do backups and restores for Google cloud SQL? And, you know, so, so you're still, you're still have to like go through the documentation or whatever to figure out like what 
those same answers, those same problems, right? You're just changing, like, instead of it being Postgres directly, you're going to use uh, Cloud SQL, for example, and you're in, it's going to be a Postgres database in under covers, right? And then even then there might be like uh, ramifications of like, oh, you picked Postgres, but had you picked this other database, then you would get these other features that might be better. So, you know, there's still some give and take there. I mean, I understand what you're getting at. The one, the one thing I would definitely urge is that if you were going to go this route, for all it's holy, please terraform it. Like it should all be scripted, right? Yeah. Like, and and that's that's the beauty of of going back to our Kubernetes thing, right? It's like your infrastructure is, uh, is is scripted out, and and at least if you're terraforming it, then it still is, and you can have all of that uh, configuration. You know, you can see that history and iterate it on it in your uh, your what repo? Oh, your Git repo. <laughs> hey, but in fairness, uh, you can also terraform whatever services and whatever cloud you choose, right? So, yeah, so yeah. you could, you could, yeah. So, what, what Outlaw is getting at there is terraform this stuff so that you got it in source control and so that you can iterate on it and it does the stuff for you in a consistent way every time, right? I mean, for those those not experienced in the cloud world, then <clears throat> just to be clear, I mean, I guess a a, a way to describe that is that. Uh, Terraforming would be terraforming is a I don't say a YAML base, but like a description base, a, a, a declarative. Declarative, thank you. Thank yes. you. A declarative way of describing what your cloud environment serv- and services look like. Uh you know, what options you want set, you know, things like that. And it's the it's the cross platform way of doing things, Terraform is, because each each cloud has their own ones. Like I want to say Azure uses what's called arm templates. I forget what AWS calls theirs. Like, so you could do these things with these declarative setups in each one, but Terraform is sort of the one that allows you to go across clouds, right. And say, Hey, um, I need these resources in this one, whatever. So um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, it's actually ahead. HashiCorp. It's, it's a HashiCorp thing, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our friends are, are makers, friendly makers of vault. Yep. Can can we also discuss like, hey Azure like really ARM template like you could code like that one might have already been in use and you didn't have to confuse the industry and maybe like <laughs> you know make our Bing searches worse by right. yeah. <laughs> ARM yeah. totally yeah oh, I should say too that it, although it is a, like a common kind of language for going across clouds like the capabilities of the clouds are different and so you yes. can't really just take. The, you know, the one that you're using for AWS and apply it to Linode or whatever. That's a good yeah. point. So I have to tweak it. But it's not that, you know, it's better than most other things. It's better than converting ARM gross to, uh, you know, cloud formation or whatever. Oh, that's right. Uh, that That's what AWS was. Yeah. So, all right. That, that was pretty good. Uh, yeah. So where did we leave off? Oh, uh, nope. That was the other one. So, I guess I'll go then because Jay Z's not doing it, and if Jay Z does it, it'll be weird. So I will definitely say, if you haven't already left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you did leave us a review. You Five can, stars. okay, some fine. There you go. You're you're doing good, Jay Z. You've learned something. 196 episodes in, <laughs> we, we learned Jay Z how to say ask for a review. 
Six stars, also fine. <laughs> I think to get that, though, you have to leave one five-star review and one one-star review. Let's so not do that. That, that doesn't sound so right. good. Yeah, hey, I wasn't going to say it. You said it. Oh, dang it. All right. Well, at any rate, you can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. I wonder how many people would be like, Alan said he, he learned you something. Like, what, does he know that that's not right? Like, I, I, I was, I shouldn't have said anything because I, I am curious how much feedback I get on that. Like, this dude's an idiot. How's he having, how's he doing a podcast? And we're listening well, we just to heard it. your opinion on managed services. So, right, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I learned me something too. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to get some bad feedback. All right. So. <laughs> Um, all right. So with that, we head into my favorite portion of the show. Survey says. All right. So we're going to play a little game. So in the spirit of Family Feud, what, we're, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off a question. And each of you are going to get one chance to Ooh. give me an answer. And, and I, we'll do, I, I, was, I thought, well, depending on how time, we'll see how quickly this goes. Maybe up to five, but no, you know, maybe three. We'll see how how it goes. But I got like a little calculator at the ready, already ready to keep track of your points. And your points are going to be like whatever the whatever your answer is, if whatever the number of respondents gave that answer, right? That's your score. Do we buzz in? Like, do we have a buzzer? Well, so I was thinking about that. And I was like, I think I'm just going to have to like alternate it back and forth. Like, you okay. know, you know, one question, one of you will go first, the next bounce, you know, so you each get your turn to go. Uh, but this being episode 196, according to Tatutko's trademark rules of engagement, Jay-Z is going to go first. Okay. Yeah. So question number one, name a house you never want to be in. Jay-Z. Uh, I'm going to call it the big house. Although I was torn between that or jailhouse. Okay. Okay. Dog house, dog house. Mm. Ooh, dog house. Ooh, All right. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, dog house was number three with eight nice. respondents. All right. Jailhouse was number two. Jail slash big house was number two with okay. 11 Ooh. respondents. The number one answer on the board was haunted house. Man, I thought that with twenty seven, and I was like, "It's Halloween! Like it's yeah, you want it's October? There. Why yeah, you, are you guys you, not just saying that?" Man, whatever. All right, do we call you Steve? Are you Mister Harvey? Well, it no. depends on what kind of answers you give me. <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to be like five times, you know, I'm asking you the same question, you give me the same answer, you just change the syllables, then maybe <laughs> throw that up there. All right. Question number two. Name something, and Alan, you're going to go first on this one. Name something associated with vampires. Sucking blood. Okay. Bats. Ooh, blood sucker was the number two answer. Oh, come on. 29 respondents. Ooh, wow, that's gave good. That one. Yeah. Okay. Bat was the number four answer with oh, only no. seven. Oh, no. I took a lead. Number one answer on teeth. the board. What'd you say? The vampire teeth. 
Uh, no, Fangs was way down on the list. Oh wow! Okay, number one was Twilight. Oh, no. thirty-three. Oh, get out! And I checked the date on this. This is not that old of a thing. This is this survey is you know fairly recent, like within let's say twelve months, the last <laughs> October, years. let's say. Wow. Yeah, I, I I call that out because this is not like right after like the first Twilight book or movie came out. So none of that. That well, I'm that glad I didn't get number well one. Well, after that. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get number one. I, I, I will say myself. that it had either one of you gone with that one as your first possible choice, then I'd be like, huh, Where, they're cheating. That's weird. Like, <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, really? Uh, okay. I mean, if I had said, like, name something associated with glitter and you said Twilight, I'd be like, okay, I get it. <laughs> Glee. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Name something in a person's closet that only comes out on special occasions. Jay-Z, you're, no, this is yours. Uh, I mean, my closet? <laughs> uh, I said geez. a person's. They didn't ask. Persons. They didn't ask a hundred respondents. What comes out of Jay-Z's closet? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Um, I mean, this is tough. What comes out of a closet on special occasions? Uh, holiday decorations. Decorations. I don't yeah. think he's getting any points on that. I want to say jewelry. <clears throat> jewelry. Uh, decorations was not on the board at all. Jewelry is the number three answer. Look at me. All right, you're in sync with the Twilight Generation. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> How many points I get on this one? Yep. Uh, ten, 10 respondents on jewelry. Suit tux was number one answer, 35. Dress was the number two answer at 26. I was going to say wow. dress, but I don't have one. All right. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll do, let's see. Yeah, one more. You got to yeah, give me the tip first shot this one. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather the question be, uh, I'll let you guys decide. Would you rather it be something to do with Oz or baseball? Baseball. I'm a coach, if you didn't know. Jay-Z, you got a preference? Uh, Baseball, is that the one? Is that one the one with the feet? They have touchdowns and stuff, yeah. Let's do that. Name something you might see a commercial for during a baseball game. And Alan, you're first. Oh man! Um, well, I thought this was gonna be easy. Uh, cars, okay, cars. So I was gonna say trucks, but I don't know. I feel like there's but it's probably a car slash truck. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll say beer. Ooh, beer. That's okay, a good one. Car slash truck was the number one answer. Twenty eight respondents came back with nice. that. Yeah, baby. And. Jay-Z, I got to tell you, man, I would have thought beer would have been right. a number one. It was number six for respondents. Six. Who are these people? <laughs> they they people. only got yeah. four respondents. Like, have you Yo, been to a baseball game? This isn't NASCAR, guys. <laughs> this is baseball. Yeah. So, I, Alan handedly won that one. Yeah. yeah, there's no reason to hey, even calculate. I think I beat you with one of my answers. Yeah. Hey, he's not wrong, Jay-Z. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, considering that he had like two answers that were like the top near the, you know, one or two uh, on the board. So, yeah, that that went a long way. Allen has 75 points on the board. Yeah, baby. And Jay-Z had 22. Yeah. So it, it, like they were quality 22. Clutch 22. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking like if we were to do this version again, we should just do like the first to like say 50 points or something. Uh, and, like and then yeah, that works. way, like whoever gets to 51st or if like both that. of you got to it on like that last answer, then like whoever had the highest score, then I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. A lot of fun. Well, yeah. All right then. So, so the next, next topic up here, what is the right balance of processes in your daily job? Please somebody tell me like, that's like, tough. It's really tough. You got Jira, you got, you know, Scrum, you've got sprints, you've got, you know, planning, you've got all like, what's the right amount guys? Like do you, like story pointing or putting estimates on things like how much is too much and how much is, do you think is like the, uh, what was it? Goldilocks. Oh, it's, this one's just right. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I uh, I am a being of chaos, but I do really well with the organization and rules. And like whenever I I have that, I like I just seem to do better with it. And so I tend to kind of tend to favor uh, having more process because it helps me personally. But oh man, it can really tie you down and be miserable. So I don't, it's hard to give a, a quantitative answer. Like I, I wish I could say like one hour a day. <laughs> you know, like that's the right amount. But uh, that's uh, that's you know nonsensical. So I, I don't really know how to answer the question. I, okay, how about this? So outlaw, you you can answer this in a second too. Is there any particular one of the processes that you find counterproductive? So, like I said, we got ticketing, we got all this stuff, we got estimation. You, is there any particular part of it that you just look at and go, why? I think anytime that you've got Jira, but then also spreadsheets, that mm. frustrates me. I, I like, I, like, I want to, you know, and I say Jira, I just mean any ticketing system. Like, I, I like the idea of having, I like the idea that people put their information somewhere and then other people can go query it or organize it or whatever. They can, they can check in the status without having to talk to me about it. That sounds great and seems to just never really happen. And if it does, it's to my detriment. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, somehow miscommunicating my intentions. Um, but yeah, anytime, anytime spreadsheets are evolved, really, it just seems like bad news. Okay. What about you, Outlaw? Well, I mean, kind of going back to the original question of like how, you know, how much was the right balance of process? I mean, if it, if they're getting in the way, then that's an indication of too much, right? Like that could be like whatever the equivalent of like, project manager code smell or code smell for project managers or whatever. Right. Like, um, I mean, I, I don't like it. I don't like process for process sake, but I do like structure in, in there to, you know, um, yes, but I don't know. Like when you start, if you get into situations where you're spending like, exorbitant amount of time doing stuff, planning stuff or, you know, whatever your case might be where it's like hours and, you know, like the bulk of a day or even a full day or, 
uh, more than a day, then that, that feels counterproductive, but also I kind of question like, well, if that's the kind of level that you've gotten to, to where you're like wrangling those types of things, like, like you mentioned Jira, for example, then maybe you changed jobs and no one told you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But what's exorbitant? Like, I, I don't know how to define it. And I guess you could have two people on the team and one person says we're due too much. And the other says not enough. Yeah, I, I I don't even know where I fall in this. I, I know that when I start feeling like like my whole day is trying to track minutes and and oh god and statuses yeah. on things like constantly making sure that that I'm more worried about the visibility of what I'm doing than what I'm actually doing. That's where I feel like the line's been crossed, right? And on the flip side, I, I like what you said, Jay Z, about I'm a creature of chaos. I totally am. I, I 100% am. Like, I don't mind bouncing around from thing to thing to thing. But I also do agree that having some process and some structure in place helps, helps, um, leverage the ability to do that chaos in, in a productive way, sort of, which is weird. But, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I've seen over the years that I, I've felt like there weren't enough. And then there's other times where it's felt like you went too far and, it, and it's hard to find that right balance because when there's too much, you feel like you're strangled when there's not enough. You feel like you're not productive because you're constantly just, you know, shifting gears. And it, it's really hard to strike that balance. I think at least in terms of what I've seen over the years. Well, did so something you just said struck a nerve because, and I don't know, I don't remember if we talked about this before, have, have we talked about it on the show, the, the maker's schedule versus the manager's schedule? No, we haven't, but I've seen the article. So I just put a link in, in the notes, you guys, and we'll, we'll have it in the show notes as well. But um, this was from uh, Paul Graham, who, who wrote it. It's super short, like, you know, a five-minute or less read um, that, that was written back in, like, 2009. And he was... Uh, I think he, he somehow related to the Y Combinator. Uh, so if you're, you know, Hacker News kind of related, like it's part of part of that world is where he came from. I don't, I don't recall his exact um, affiliation with it, but at any rate, the he he's he's talking about like how there are managers who their their whole job is like the whole visibility thing, and so. For them, having a meeting where they, um, you know, when they bounce around from one meeting to the next, to the next, to the next, that's literally what they do. That's their job. So they're they're okay with it. They're comfortable with it uh, because, you know, otherwise, what would they do, right? Versus the maker wants to stay in that mindset of like whatever that problem is, that complex problem is, they want to stay in that mindset. They don't want to bounce around to something else, even to context switch to a different ticket, you know, they're, they're trying to solve a hard, hard problem. They want to stay in that mindset until they're done with it. Right. And, um, and, and it can feel if they see that, well, there's, I have this 30 minute gap of time because of the way the meetings are laid out. Right. Then that 30 minute gap, the maker can see that 30 minute gap and say, 
well, I'm not really incentivized to try to start something new or to continue on something new because for me to get back into that headspace, it's going to take, you know, it'll be 26 minutes before I even get back to where I back into it. And so I guess I won't bother and I'll just waste that 30 minutes and not get into it at all. Right. So going back to you know the process thing, like of bouncing around, like there definitely is, um, for the maker, the advantage of like not being involved in those things and not getting mired down with all the, you know, process and, and other, you know, BS that we have to, that might need to be explained away to somebody else. Right. Like if you can stay in that headspace and, and do what you gotta do, but you know, there again goes back to like, you know, what I was jokingly referring to a minute ago, where it's like, well, if your job is to report all of those things and you attend all of those meetings, then maybe you got like a new job title and you didn't realize it or no one told you, you know, like you have a new, you suddenly have new job responsibilities. Uh, that's totally true. And by the way, that, that article that outlaw links in this read it, it's really good. It's, it, it's an excellent read and it is exactly what you would expect to feel as a developer. And it's, and it's, put into words that that makes sense to everybody who reads that article. So um, if we're skipping ahead to the next one, then um, I I had one, which was, you know, would you guys, which, which type of work environment do you prefer? Do you prefer to work alone on an Island kind of situation where like, you know, you're the only one person working on that project. Or if there are other people, it's super small, you know, group of people that might be working on that thing. Like maybe one other person, you know, uh, no more than two. Right. But, but for the most part, maybe you're just working in isolation on whatever your project is or with a team of people where a team would be like, you know, four or more, you know, people three or more, let's say four, you know, Point is, is like, there's a lot of interaction with those other people. You're communicating regularly. Like you're, you're not just doing something on your own. You're not making those decisions. You're, you're having communications with others. Which environment do you prefer? If I work alone, can I choose not to work? (laughs) Just wondering, like, if I was alone Jay-Z, on an island, I mean, like, maybe I just eat some coconuts and, you know, hang out. This comes from Jay-Z, the guy who's, like, does more than anyone else that I know. He's always got, like, some random... Here's a game that I wrote in my free time while I was, uh, you know, in between a commercial break while I was watching TV with the missus. And, uh, oh, yeah, hey, I just dropped this new album. Check out my new heavy metal jazz album uh, that I just put together. Yeah, but most of the time I don't do any of that. <laughs> like the vast majority of time, nothing. I'm just sitting idling, staring at the wall. I love it. No, uh, my true answer though is two pizza team. I, I think that works perfectly. That's the right answer. To be to be a part of a team. Yeah, a two pizza team, a small team. Oh, two pizza team. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm there too. So th- this one's interesting for me. I love doing all types of development. Right. So so. I mean, we've all been given tasks where it's like, hey, you have to do the UI, the middle tier, the back end, and you know everything in between on every stack of the layer. And I love that. I love having my hands in all of it. However, 
I don't like being isolated, right? I don't like being the only person thinking about something, doing something, whatever. I do like working on a team. So um, I agree, though, if the team gets too large, it feels counterproductive. It feels like you're not getting enough done and there's too much disconnect. So I think a small functional team is is fantastic. And that, that is that is my, my favorite way to work. So I don't know that I actually have an answer. I'm kind of torn because on the one hand, if you are working alone on that, then like you want to believe that you're free to like make your own decisions and do your own thing. Right. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm free to like clean this up. I want to do this. You know, I want to make this my way, blah, 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 whatever. I'll ref, I can refactor this and this would be great. And I always didn't like the way that was written anyway. So I want to improve that. But the reality is, uh, you still have deadlines. So, you know, you still might have to cut corners here and there. Like, Everyone else always has, right? Like, you know, I mean, that's just, that's the reality of it. You know, sometimes it's more important to just get it out there. So on the one hand, so it sounds like it would be promising, but there is also the discouraging kind of aspect of it where, you know, your other peers, you know, might, that are working together on teams with other things. You're just kind of like, Oh, well, I guess like they're off playing, you know, uh, they're all, they're all playing Halo together and I'm over here, you know, by myself. And, and so, so there is a discouraging aspect of it. Does that make sense? Um, where like you, you know, it's, it's like you feel left out, but not left out. I don't know how to describe it, but, um, so, you know, working as part of a team can be, but definitely, you know, the small, team I, I would definitely agree with that the, i remember the two pizza thing but like how many how many pizza how many people was that per pizza because i mean i pretty i could i could tear up a pizza you know <laughs> like if i if i were gonna if i were gonna like have a carb day let, let's be clear if we're gonna if we're gonna cheat and have a carb day then uh i feel like i could destroy a pizza pretty good didn't they say it was like the ideal was five and no more than seven? Yeah, I think it was right. Five it was, pizzas? Uh, it, no, five no, people. Five people. That was uh, it was an Amazon thing. Uh, you know, these initial articles about it. But I will say, I do feel like, and I'm not just saying this because I'm biased. I do feel like East Coast can eat a lot more pizza of the U.S. than West Coast people. Just saying. I feel like New Yorkers. Floridians, Georgians, we can eat Chicago. hands down more pizza than anyone in Seattle, California. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna lump, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Chicago for the East Coast too. I, I feel like I, I feel like we can eat more pizza than anyone. I don't in know California. if that's a good thing, Jay Z. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it in a weird way, but you know what I mean. I feel like on average, we? people on the East Coast can eat more pizza than people on the West Coast. So we got you smaller teams. I'm so willing to die in this hill too. You're saying you're saying on the East Coast we should have three man teams, and on the West Coast they need seven man teams. That's what I that's just right. heard. Same okay. productivity level. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I got it. I think that's probably right. Oh, I think is that we're more really productive. what he was getting at? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I really thought this was a thing of like you know California pizza is not as good as New York pizza. That too. It's so therefore fault. we can eat more yeah. New York pizza because it's better. Yeah, that's legit too. I think that too is all. That's this thing is so true. I've stumbled Listen, into. Listen, I like, have this artisan flatbread uh, pizza that. Yep. 
With you metaphors said, are it's like broccoli on ways. it. I put so, it's it's really good. We've got broccoli on it. It's freshly sourced uh, from a local farm here. Dude, and, you said artisan. I can't get past. Oh you. wait, artisan. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know that California pizza's got some avocado on it. Get out of here. Get yeah, out of here. Hey, but way to call me out though, Alan. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, so, <laughs> in fairness, though, ain't nobody eating a lot of Chicago pizza. All right, no, because <laughs> no. you can't. It's you, like you eating. It's yeah. It's like eating biscuits with with pizza on top of it. Yeah. You can't do it. Do yourself a favor, and even if you've seen it before, even if you've had it, just Google Chicago pizza again and just look at it. Man, All it's right, amazing. I gotta, I gotta do this. Let's do this. Yeah, man. Chicago pizza. Yeah, sh- I mean that Chicago style pizza. It, it's amazing. Isn't yeah, it like right now? Oh wait, I clicked. On like, it. why did they? Why did they make it like that? But man, really it's, a great idea. It's really where the word yeah. pie should have yeah. come from. That's what. I, that's yeah. what I was thinking. It would be like the the original pizza pie. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, and God. if you're going to like cheat on Carb Day, I mean, what better way? This yeah. sounds like the way to do it. And I even prefer New York pizza, but I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this. Yeah, right. I think now, the just started watering. That's when you eat your New York pizza, how how do you choose to eat your New York? Fold pizza? it. Yes. Fold it. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, there's no other way. It just falls apart on you if you don't do it that way. Right. Yep. Okay. Right, fair so enough. We're all in agreement. I don't know that. that I could fold the Chicago pizza, but I'll try it. No. 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 <laughs> 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 you're gonna have to it go to the doctor the floor and i'll be like all sad looking down at it with like tears coming out like my pizza fell on the floor oh man yeah oh. dislocating your jaw like a shark to try and take a bite oh yeah yeah man uh, worth it hey I, I i you mentioned kafka and zookeeper and i meant to call this out earlier mm, uh yeah. just to close the loop on this but uh kafka rem- removed the dependency on zookeeper if you run it in a fancy mode, right? I don't think the main line, like you have to enable it via some flag or something, right? 2.8 uh, gave you the early access to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of in like preview mode. So I, I think you still can run it in like the kind of normal mode, but there's like a what, like raft mode or something. But that was from a year out. ago though. Yeah. So maybe it's out now. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I was excited that it was like uh, available because with with three O it was supposed to get. Done yeah, I think three O is supposed to like totally gone. Like you cannot run it like that anymore. Right, yeah. and it's exciting because like, like I think I've I've gripped about it several times. Like Kafka is fantastic, but it's ecosystem. You can't just like spin up a Kafka pod like. Uh, you need bootstrap servers and replicas and you need zookeeper previously. And you need this. It's like somehow you're like spinning up like, you know, eight or nine different uh, various services that all have to be working together. It's, it's super easy. I mean, Jay-Z, like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I've, uh, struggled long enough with it now that it does kind of feel easy because I, I feel like I've hit, uh, you know, like 9,000 different problems with it and <laughs> slowly but surely overcome them all. I wrote the FAQ. And yeah. and see, you're stronger for it. You're better for it, right? I told you. Yeah. Unless right. there's a stiff breeze, right? Weeping in the corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we get to the last one, do you? How about if I were to ask you, why is Peter Pan always flying? Because he can never, never land. 
Oh, look at that. Because he never lands. Nice. So, uh, what's the last one, Jay-Z? Uh, the last one? Oh, uh, what are you going to be for Halloween? Me? Yeah. Can I say me? Yeah. Is that an answer? That's the answer. Alan? Uh, actually, I'm going to go as Alan. Uh, them, them big shoes to fill actually not um uh, uh i don't think i have anything but if i was going to do something it would have to be something scary like uh i don't even know if there's anything scary anymore but um, i mean it's it's coming up pretty soon you should know what's gonna be yeah man i you know honestly my, my son ordered like this mask that's actually really cool and you can you can Bluetooth it to your phone or whatever, and you can upload images to it, and so you can kind of oh, nice. make the mask whatever you want it to be, and it can also like have things in motion. Like that's really cool. Like that's that's something I'd want to do. Oh, so is it like a di- like a digital like it's basically like a digital screen? Oh man, which character is that? Oh, it's so cool, man! Like, and it's not it's not like photorealistic. There's I don't know how many um big pixels or whatever that they have on it. So it has this sort of cool retro look that you could do all kinds of cool stuff with. Like it's got flames and like, that's what I'd do. I'd probably put on a cape or something and then, and then get something like that. And then I saw some dude years ago that took like two iPads and one on the front and one on the back. And he used the camera from the one on the front or on the back or whatever to where it looked like there was uh, a hole in the dude. Yeah, I saw that. Because that the was camera awesome. was recording on one and streaming to the other one. Like, that's just super cool, right? Like, that's that's the kind of stuff that's just, like, really neat. So Yeah. I, I like to scare people. Like, when, when when we would set up at my previous house, I don't know that we'll do it this year because we're in the new house, but we would set up all kinds of stuff to scare kids, right? Like, I'd have spiders on, on pulleys and stuff that I'd drop down on them and have them screeching, running out of the yard. Nice. like. Yeah, I like to have fun, right? Like Halloween's about being creeped out and having fun at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, we had we had a little bit of a, a reputation. Our house had a little bit of a reputation to be in the scary one there for a while. That's fun, but my wife told me I had to stop. Really? It it it, it just you know didn't want to scare me more. I don't know. We had fun with it, but. I had some good ones too, man. I, I give you some pointers. I give you some pointers of like good ways to like get the Halloween kit, get the kids in your, here, here's an easy one here. This was like one of my favorites. Uh, I'll, I'll give you two. Actually, I, I lied. I'll give you two. Uh, one was, do you remember, um, screamy? I, th- I think they just called it like screamy face from scream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So have you ever seen those like, uh, the 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 candy um not dispensers but like it'll it'll be like a statue that just holds the bowl and and then the kids can go and get it yeah. so one year i dressed as screamy face and pretended to be one of those statues Ooh. and i would and i would just be like i would lay in like weird positions you know like i'd be like sitting in a chair like you know acting like i was just like stuffed full of like a uh, you know um pine straw or something to make it look like you know you're not a real person uh, and sitting in the chair with like the, the um, and you're kind of sitting there like uncomfortable. Right. But you know, you're holding the bowl. And then when they would go to like grab the candy out of the bowl, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could get some reactions. Like you could really get them good. It was so, it was so fun. But uh, yeah, so that was, that was one. And also like, you know, like I would even stand kind of like, like as if I was like, 
uh, like a mannequin, but kind of like propped up against the the wall of the house or something, you know, to where it, you know, it, it didn't look like a, nor- like a normal person wouldn't stand that way kind of thing. And you're holding the, the candy and then get them that way when they come to get it. Dude, that's beautiful. That's so yeah, much fun. Those are the, it was so fun to get the kids, but I mean, it's like you, you, you have limited time that you can pull that off, right? Like you because can't do that everybody. year after year after year. Well, but, even on the same Halloween, because the kids will go running up the street and be like, Hey, watch out for the dude up there in the yard. And it's like, man, and no, and the kids would never buy it either. Or the other thing that they would do is they would bring their friends back and not tell them. <laughs> and they'd be yeah. like, no, nah, I'm going to say, you go on. I'll, I'll wait here. <laughs> And I would see the faces. I'm like, I recognize that kid. He's already yeah. been by. Yeah, I already yeah. scared so, him. So that was number. That was number one. Number two was um, uh, a ghillie suit. I think I think I'm pronouncing that right. The 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 camouflage suit where it looks Pants like and- yeah yeah it looks like you're just a pile of leaves or something you know yeah especially in the fall here in the south right like <laughs> you could just blend in. <laughs> You're raising up out of the ground. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. So, so they walk by. They walk by you to to go to the front door, like you're waiting off somewhere close to the street or something like that, right? They walk by you, unsuspecting of anything, and then all of a sudden you pop up and you're walking behind them. Man, yeah, <laughs> kids having heart attacks. It was so good. Yeah, my we my neighborhood did lead. Uh, you know. The, na- the the community for uh, child heart attacks. So that's good. That's um, good. They need yeah. that on occasion. Nice. So JC, yeah. you're being a blooming flower. No, uh, I'm going to be turning off the lights and playing my Steam Deck. That's all. Dude, I'm doing. that's dirty. Go buy yourself some candy and hand it out to the kids, man. What are you doing? No way. I my I uh, I do have a, something scary about my house. I have a dog that. Uh, like barks uncontrollably uh, insanely like sounds i mean sounds like cujo sounds like a werewolf just absolutely his bark is just terrifying it shakes the windows and uh, i'm not dealing with it so you're not you're not you're not being anything for halloween then no i mean i'll put a bowl out front oh well that's no fun the first kid that comes by is gonna get all of it i got a camera so at least i know uh which little brat to uh hate on from afar (laughs) It's kill me. This this image that you put out of the uh that mask that you're talking about, there's a comic book character that has the same kind of like that's his face is a is a mask like that. I'm pretty no, sure his name is a- I'm pretty sure his name is Death Rage, if I remember. Let's see. And in fact, like the crazy thing is I clicked on the one for the um the the direct company site and they came up with like uh this promotion uh you know hey give us your email we'll give you 10% off and the face is almost identical to the comic book character awesome nice. i'll have to send you guys a picture of this thing like it's actually it's super cool like when he said he wanted it i was like eh whatever and he got it and and i was very impressed the really neat part is he can take a picture of anything around him too and have it go on to the mask he took a picture of me and put it on there. It was really kind of creepy looking at my kid wearing my face on, you know, the mask looking back at me. So in the pictures, it looks kind of pixelated though, but maybe that's just a picture. Does it well, like so what's I the resolution? That. I put those pictures in there. I would. I was just wanted to remember oh. to put it in the show notes. So we'll get the real mask and we'll put it in the show notes. But that's not the one that Alan's talking about. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. So he didn't yeah. know what I was talking about then. 
Okay, well, there's this this mask that Jay Z put up there. Looks <laughs> pretty cool, though, right? Where'd you put it? Where'd it's in the show notes. Oh, in the show notes. It also oh. reminds me of um, uh, oh, shoot, like a Daft oh, that's Punk it. kind of thing. That's it, dude. That's it. That Luna Lights thing. That's I guess totally technically nice. not Daft Punk, but I don't that's. Know. That's absolutely the one. And the nice. thing that you don't see from these pictures, this it's lunar lights is it will also do animated stuff. Right. So like it's, it is super duper cool and it is pixelated like that. It looks oh, okay. Like I said, it's got a very retro look to it, which adds to its appeal. It's almost like sort of creepy. How do you and see that, through it though? There's holes. You can't see it in the pictures they have right there, but like the first picture where they have the circles, Right above it, there's slits for the eyes. Oh, so it's technically like further down on your face? No, I mean, the whole thing can have a picture on it, but there are two slits for your eyes where the image can actually go around it. Like, it can fill up basically that entire mask. It's it's super cool, man. All right, well, I guess we're all going to get one of those for Christmas. Man, it's, it's so neat. Okay, well, with that, we'll head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. Yeah. All right, and my tip is uh, DuckTV. Have you all heard of DuckTV before? No. It came out of nowhere for me. Wait, are you saying DuckTV? No. Totally different. Definitely don't watch that. Don't Google that. DuckDB. Um, DuckDB is an in-process SQL OLAP database management system. Uh, in process, meaning you can just in, kind of embed it into uh, your application. Like, uh, say you can drop it in your palm file, you can npm install it, whatever. Uh, you can also use it via command line. So I've seen some cool demos where someone just kind of like, uh, you know, drop in a, you know, take a CSV file and start doing, you know, SQL queries on it, like aggregations and sums and, you know, where clauses and just kind of cool stuff with like really big uh, SQL files. And I haven't done much with it. I just installed it and I was going to give it a shot. But I keep hearing people say really good things about it on Twitter or on Reddit or Hacker News. Or it just sounds really cool. So it's kind of like a SQL light light almost. Well, SQL OLAP light. Yeah. 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 So OLAP is definitely the kind of the interesting and different part there. So it's, uh, you know, it, it does support parquet, or parquet files. I don't know if you ever figure out how to pronounce that. Parquet. Uh, in addition to yeah, C, CSVs. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really good at handling really big data, um, columnar data, stuff like that. So if you're doing analytics, um, you know, that's all really good too. But it also handles some basic SQL type stuff too. Very cool. I haven't used it much yet, so um, maybe I'll have some better tips on it later. But yeah, I like the idea of like not dropping it into Incel, not dropping it into, uh, you know, loading into a database. If I just want to kind of do some stuff, I just want to be able to like, you know, drop it, (laughs) take the file that I've got and just run some queries on it. I guess I'm just struggling to figure out how can they do that in an OLAP fashion? (laughs) Like that's impressive. I think Parquet is, uh, I think Parquet is the columnar storage format. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where that kind of comes in. Um, okay. So, so then, okay. That, Cause the CF, CSV part was throwing me. So you're saying then it's like dependent on like whatever the source file is that you're going to point it to. It does. I think it does handle some indexing, but I'm not really sure how or when it does that sort of parsing. Uh, it's supposed to be really fast and efficient. So I don't know if it does it 
when you query it or if it does some sort of pre-processing step. I haven't used it. I just kind of got it working and good night. I'd be curious. Like you got it working with a plain CSV file? I got it on uh, Bash. Uh, with, yeah, and I used a plain CSV file. And and it did all of the like the aggregates that an OLAP would do. I just I just summed the column. I was trying to I was trying to manage my Jira tickets in a spreadsheet. Wow, Jay Z. Wow. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's back up a few questions. When you're talking about your processes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I do things that I think are wrong all the all the time. Most of the time, I'm doing things I think are wrong. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, if if you need a SQL OLAP tool to manage your your Jira tickets, then something ain't right. We need to we need to like have a intervention or something. Oh, I mean, I close a lot of tickets. Oh, of tickets. <laughs> he he needs this fast processing. Yeah. To you seen these guns right here? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's best is that like the audience couldn't see the way you were like raised your hands and like you were dangling your fingers, uh, like your fingers were the guns. Sun's out, guns out. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, no, that's super cool. Can I run it in VS code though? Cause it's dead to me if I can't, I don't see why not. Yeah. Does okay. it really have a VS? I was joking. Does it have yeah, an extension for VS code? Let's see here. Uh, I don't, you know, I really, part of it is just, I like the idea of, I'm Googling that by the way. Um, of these, uh, I keep seeing SQL uh, type solutions where the SQL engine is kind of uh, broken out into multiple pieces. So it's like you know, we we saw this like Apache Drill, remember that, and some of the other things that we've looked at, like uh, where it's like the storage engine is detached from the query language. So you can almost like say, I'm going to use this query language with this storage engine, and run it in this cloud, and I want it to be this programming language. And, you know, and so uh, it's interesting to me that you can kind of like plug and play different parts of a database in a module format, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm interested to see how that evolves in the future. But that is kind of similar to like, that's where Parquet we were previously looking at as it related that in, uh, I, I knew it as hoodie, but I think they pronounced it as hoodie or no backwards. No, it was Apache hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, as it really, there was like, it was based on some like Uber, uh, their engineering blog. And I'm trying to remember what we were using. We were talking about, I think it was maybe just Python as the thing to read those files. I don't remember now. It's been a while. We used Apache drill at the time to read those files then. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Okay. And presto. Well, but yeah. I mean, the point being though, that is going to Jay Z's point of separating the storage mechanism of the file away from like what technology you're going to use to read or write or manage that file. Right. So, um, and by the way, uh, there is uh, the highlight, there's an extension that'll do code highlighting for it, you know, basically SQL. But uh, I also did find a couple other extensions that would support DuckDB in addition to BigQuery and Postgres and other kind of, you know, common database uh, querying languages. Cool. Very cool. Um, Okay, well, so for my tip of the week, first I need to know uh, what do you call a sheep with no legs? Ba, ba. This has got to be ba in there somewhere. Okay. okay, I don't know. A cloud. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. What else would it be? We were talking about all the cloud manage stuff earlier. Of course, it had to be a cloud. That was pretty yeah. good. All right. Um. 
So have you ever like wanted to, I, I don't know about you guys, especially like in this day and age, like when it comes to anything on the internet, like I have this like super, uh, adversarial kind of relationship with the internet, like everything. I'm like, mm, I can't trust anything. And so I found myself in this situation where, um, one of my guitar amps is no longer supported. And, um, but you know, it was nice enough that it had the ability to update the firmware and you could like manage the effects on it, uh, via your computer and whatnot. And they had software, but you know, they decided to drop the support for it. So I was like, dang, cause I really wanted to like, you know, change some things. And I found somebody had taken an archive of the site before, or at least they claimed that was their claim, right? Is that they, they took an archive of it before and I'm like, I don't know, how can I trust this thing? You know, is it, is it real? Like, you know, maybe I, I want to believe, I want to believe, right. That, that they really did just take an archive of the real thing and they're like sharing it with the rest of the world. Cause they're just being nice and that nothing bad really happened. But you know, I was like, I don't know if I could trust that. So you can definitely like have virus software installed on your computer and you could download it and all that if you wanted to. But have you guys ever heard of virus total virus total.com? No. So you can go to virus total and you can either, if you've already downloaded a file, you can, you can give them the file or you can give them the URL to the file or whatever they have. They have a, you know, some other ways to do it. But the point is, so while you could have a single virus, you know, uh, type of tool installed on your system, if you wanted to virus total uses 70 different antivirus scanners. So you give them a file and they will check it against all of those. And as well as like other tools to figure out like, Hey, is this thing good or bad? And one of the things that they'll do to shortcut the whole process is they'll compute a, a, a hash of the file. And if they already have checked that, then they know they're like, Oh, we've already checked that. Here's the good or bad report for it. And they don't even have to do it a second time. Otherwise they, they will do it. So you, you, you know, the point is, is that, uh, you don't necessarily have to go and have, you know, everything installed locally. You can you know use this service. Uh, so I thought I would share that cause it's a pretty cool idea. But, um, oh, I had these out of order. Um, keeping with that though. So I download this thing, you know, virus total says, yeah, it's, it, you know, we're not aware of anything. We didn't find anything. And you're like, okay, but is it really the thing? Like, how do I know that that's the original one from the manufacturer and not right. something that you said is it right? You know, like a checksum. Well, more specifically, in this day and age of code signing, how can I verify the signature of the app to make sure that it is what it is? Now, this is specific to a Mac OS platform, but I'll have a link to a handy article and, and the specific command, but there's a code sign tool that from the command line, you can verify the, the signing signature of the application. So the command will be code sign dash DV, and then you can turn on your ver- verbosity. So I have dash dash verbos equal four, and then you give it the path to the app, the dot app file, not, uh, you know, anything else. 
and it'll it'll tell you it'll spit back either if there is a signature on the file it'll it'll give you all the details of the the signing or it'll just come back and say there is no uh this this app wasn't signed so i'll give you i'll give you the um you know the example and and the links to that but then the other cool. the last one though that i had um, cause you know, I'm taking a, a page out of Alan's book here and I'm coming at you with a whole plethora of tips. Um, what you do. just give me 30 more minutes. I promise I'll make it worth your while. So, um, I forget where this one came from. I'm pretty sure that I saw this one in Slack, but I can't for the life of me remember from, uh, from who, but, uh, it was an article on how to get better diff support at the command line from Git. And I thought since we just had the, uh, the Git discussion in you know great detail um, that this might be like a, a good uh, follow up or closing the loop on that where you can if you ever do like your your Git diffs from the command line and you just say like oh here's a bunch of minuses and then you, you know all the lines that were changed but here's a bunch of pluses of the new lines and you're like wait a minute the, you know like let's say it was just one line that was minus and one line that was plus so like meaning that one line changed, but it doesn't tell you like which part of the line it's the whole line. Right. And so starting with uh, Git 2.9, there is a diff highlight uh, command and you can change the configuration of the pager for that so that the diff highlight will actually highlight from the command line output, the actual portion of that line that changed instead of just showing you the whole line. Um, so um, I'll include a link to that. Now we'll caveat that to say though, it, that at least in my environment, um, I wasn't able to like see this for my own. Like, so, you know, I'm trusting the author here, but um, because it, I call that out because one, I, I just, I, I ran out of time and didn't, didn't get to, uh, you know, actually go through the process of like updating my environment to, to get to that level of Git. you know, cause I was stuck at like 2.25 and you had to be at 2.9. But the one thing that I took issue with the, that I'll call out here is the way that, um, he, the author put the, uh, I, he, I think he actually like copied the diff highlight. I think he talks about copying the diff highlight into your lows user local bin path in order to then change your configuration. And my point was in my mind, I was like, no, I would have left the, I would have left that command alone where it is and, you know, just left and gone ahead and changed the configuration to point the change my Git config pager to use the original path. And then that way I don't have this thing floating around where like, you know, if some kind of vulnerability was found in the original one, I don't have to worry about, you know, having uh, something getting stale because I made a copy of it or whatever. And it, it would just be easier from a home, you know, self man, self system management kind of perspective to, in my mind, to just leave it where it was. Cause if you're going to set it in the configuration file anyways, like who cares how long that path is. So I didn't see a benefit from it. And I just saw negatives of, of making that copy, but I'll include links to all of those, uh, those tips. And yeah. Very cool. All right. So mine is kind of interesting and I'll caveat it up front saying that 
I've had mixed success with it totally. Um, and I don't know if it's because I haven't gone through all the steps on Mac to make it work perfectly. But my tip is it's the website telepresence.io. And what this is supposed to do is allow you as a developer working in a Kubernetes world to speed up your feedback cycles on development. So if you've worked in Kubernetes, you know that you're typically um, deploying pods and deployments and all kinds of other things, right? And typically to do that, that means you're building images before you actually push those things out and get them to run in your in your cluster, whether it's in Minikube or GKE or wherever, right? Well, one of the things that's frustrating about that is it takes time to build those images and get those things out there. Telepresence is sort of a, uh, a two-way proxy. And there's two things in, in my view, and there may be more, but two things that I'm especially interested in. One is this ability, once you do a telepresence connect from the command line, is you can now reference things in that Kubernetes cluster as if you were in the cluster. So for instance, let's say that you have a, a service called my API, right? If that service is installed in the default namespace, you can actually curl that service or or make any kind of web request to that service using like a curl um http colon slash slash my api dot default the dot default being your namespace and it will talk to it as if it was a node in the or a pod in the cluster right so that dns will resolve to it so that's one thing that's already really amazing. Now, the reason that matters is if you've worked much in Kubernetes, then you know that a lot of times you're port forwarding things so that you can access things, right? So let's say that you have a, a Postgres. I want to say, what is it? 5432 is the port that it's usually open on. 5432. So you usually port forward that. And then if you want to connect to it, you're going to localhost, you know, and then 5432 is your port. Well, this way, if you named it Postgres, you could say Postgres.default and you don't have to you don't have to set up all these port forwards to do it. So that's one thing that's already nice. You're not managing a bunch of port port forwarding. But the part that is way more interesting and in my view, way more valuable, is it allows you to sort of hot swap something in for something else. So let's say that, that my API thing, you have that running in your cluster. Well, you're working on the next version of that, that API and you have things you want to test out. There's this ability and it's the telepresence intercept command to where you can say, Hey, anything that is going to my, um, my API service on port, you know, 80, if that's what it was set up as you want that stuff to be routed to your local host on port 88, right? Like maybe you exposed your API in 88 running locally. And what telepresence is supposed to do is actually make it so that all traffic that was going in your cluster to my API on port 80, it will automatically forward down to your local running service on port 88 that you set it up as. And so what that allows you to do potentially is develop locally as if your program was running in that cluster, right? And it's transparent to everything else. Now, this is where I've had mixed results. 
I haven't gotten this to fully work. And part of it is because we have a bunch of stuff already set up that works off port forwarding and other things. And so a lot of that naming, like the DNS type naming and all that isn't set up yet. So I haven't had a chance to go through and fully vet this out. But assuming it works the way that they say it does, that is a fantastic way to be able to develop things, right? And and to take it a step further, and this is in the documentation, I haven't gone this far yet. Apparently, it will even allow you to volume mount things that were in the original pod in the cluster and volume mount that to whatever a local pod might be running. So let's say that you had a Docker thing or whatever. You can actually, and this is important, especially when you come into things like, let's say that you have um, credentials that need to be mounted to pods um, that happen on some sort of deployment. So if you have a CICD pipeline and it mounts credentials into pods out there, you might need that stuff mounted into yours so that it will have the same rights to be able to run things. And they have this set up like Again, it's they have done a lot of work on this to make it to where you can actually develop locally by sort of hot swapping a pod in. So, um, again, I haven't, I, I wish that I could tell you that it works absolutely perfectly and all that. I have had a few problems with my Mac and, and, and I've had to try and do some things and they actually have a, an FAQ set up for that. But I think it's worth checking out, right? Like, if, especially if you're towards the beginning of your Kubernetes development, if you can work in a way to where you can use this thing as you develop going forward, it would make a lot of sense to try and set up your DNS and your configurations and all that stuff to be able to take advantage of this type of um, dual proxying service. So check that out. Again, the uh, website is telepresence.io. Very, very cool. And for those that wouldn't know the alternative then, you know, like the alternative would have to be to, uh, like port forward a bunch of things from your local system into whatever your Kubernetes cluster is. But even then there were still some things that you were able to do telepresence that you wouldn't be able to do like just right. by a simple teleport, right? Like right. the volume mounting thing, for example, the volume mounting thing, but even, even bigger than that is just making it to where anything that was internal to that cluster that was calling whatever that service was originally, the fact that it can reroute that traffic away from the original service that was up oh, there right. to your local, like that's, that's magic. That's amazing. So yeah. Cause typically by a Kubernetes environment, it's going to want to stay within its correct n- Kubernetes network. Yep. Yep. Yeah, without you going through a lot of hoops. Yep. Which this does for you. This does for you, exactly. So, all right. Well, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast, and be sure to leave us a review. Um, if you can figure out six stars and it and it works, then cool. But, you know, otherwise we'll settle for five. Um, I, you know, we'll settle. Keyword settle. Right, right. W, uh, you can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. Yep. Crank it up to 11. Um, hey, while you're up there at www.codingblocks.net, make sure you check out our show notes, our examples, discussions more. Hey, and send your feedback, questions, and rants to our Slack channel. You can go to codingblocks.net slash Slack and join up if you haven't already. Amazing community of great people. So definitely check that out if you're interested. All right, and we got a, a web page. We have lots of web pages. And on top of them, you'll find social links, and those can be found at uh, net is the 
uh, what the TLDR top of the main sorry box <laughs> and we got a Twitter I did it all backwards the too long didn't read website excellent yeah I nailed it <laughs> first try <laughs> <laughs>